Welcome back to another episode of Create a New Tomorrow. I am your host, Ari Gronich, and I have with me Josh Spodek. Now, this is a guy I, ta- I had a pre-interview with him. I was really excited to talk to him. He's a three-time TEDx speaker. This guy, has uh, he's a best-selling author of uh, this book, Initiative and Leadership Step-by-Step, the Sustainable Life podcast. Uh, he- he's award-winning with that um, professor at NYU. You've even, you know, taught leadership at West Point with the uh, the director of um, U.S. Secretary of Defense, right? Yes, he's since become the Secretary of Defense. Is that because of working with me? Can't say for sure. Well, well, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. So, tell us a little bit about your background and why leadership was such an important role. And the reason I want to preface this for the audience, the reason I'm so excited is because I am really looking at the deep dive into leadership and what makes people leaders, what makes people followers and so on. So I'm really excited to have Josh here. Well, glad to be here. And I'll, I'll start with a very brief part about beforehand. If you want to know more, let me know. Uh, because growing up, I was pretty nerdy, pretty geeky. I got a PhD in physics. Uh, I helped build a satellite that's orbiting the earth right now. And for a while, I really thought physics, I, I, I want to be a physicist. Um, and then I, I ended up leaving after I got my PhD to start my first company and was very successful at that. Uh, well, successful, then came the recession and it was difficult times. Uh, I got squeezed out by the investors, very painful experience. Could not, by that point, I severed my ties with academia, so I couldn't really go back. I ended up going to business school and that's where I found classes in leadership. Awesome. So we talked about this a little bit and in my in my uh, witnessing of, of the world, right? I feel like Kennedy was probably, at least as a president, the last great leader of our country. And the thing that I think made him a leader is not only did he bring people along with his vision, but he gave mandates, he gave direction to those visions. He said, we're going to go to the moon and by the end of the decade, go do that. And then all of a sudden people started flocking to create what he kind of mandated we should do. Um, so where do you think that that's lacking in the leadership and how does your, you know, your vision of leadership address those kinds of things so that we can move forward faster versus uh, wait for another great leader to show up? Okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take the last thing you said there. What can we, what can we do ourselves instead of just waiting for the next great leader to show up? Is it learning social and emotional skills, performance skills, is different than learning things about factual recall, things that you can take bubble tests for, or write papers about. I mean, you can write papers about leadership, but the actual practice of it, you have to face, you have to understand yourself. You have to learn empathy, compassion, listening, uh, as well as uh, confidence. And these are not things that you can read your way into or write your way into. So just to go on in my background, right? Every time I've ever had a position of leadership, it was in a style of master apprentice, right? So I had somebody who was teaching me how to be a leader. And then as a leader, I would be teaching somebody how to be what I'm doing, right? So I always had a master apprentice kind of relationship in that way. And it was very experiential. And 
I just want to kind of come back to what you just said about doing the practice of and knowing your traumas or knowing your history, because I've always told people that when I'm doing trauma work with them, if you want to get on a camera, but you're afraid of what people will think of you, the only way to do that is to get on that camera with people who are safe. And so if you keep rebuilding the same, or if you rebuild the somatic trauma with new somatic experiences, you'll be able to then reprogram that neuro pathway. And as you do that, you get more and more comfortable being on stage, for instance. Is that kind of what you're saying with regards to leadership? Yeah. I mean, you say building neural pathways. It's, I would just simply say learning. I mean, it's to learn to do things. It is affect um, forming neural pathways. You're learning and you have to start you have to practice these things. I mean, if you simply read about leadership, you'll learn how to read about leadership. That's different than, it's like learning, how, reading about playing piano. It teaches you how to read, how to play piano, but only fingers on the keyboard do it. That's the same thing. That's going to set up neural pathways. Right. So tell me about, about that West Point gig. You know, you're, you're working with professors who are also captain through colonels, you know, typically. Um, you're working with the student population who's looking to become the next leader and officer. And I'll tell you the truth. When I, when I spent four years of my life in Air Force uh, Junior ROTC, which, you know, doesn't sound like a lot, but <laughs> uh, it, was, it was an interesting experience because my experience of the leadership was uh, really all about ego if uh, somebody had joined two weeks before me and didn't know half of what I knew, their word still got uh, accepted as fact versus what's the truth or optimization. And so within military, I always find that there's so much, um, what's the word, overage of, of duties. Like somebody who's knows his business, is being told to do his business, and then has to do it twice or three times, right? And so that leadership doesn't really translate to, um, to trust in the person that you have hired. Whereas in business, we're starting to learn that you've got to like not micromanage. And so within regards to West Point and what you're doing with the military there, how does that micromanage versus leadership and, um, and breaking the ego of leadership so that it's really more of a service position versus a, I am a leader position. Well, you asked a lot there. I don't know if I can cover all of that. And you distinguish between micromanagement and leadership. The, what I heard, I would make the distinction between authority and leadership. And, and so your experience in the military is much greater than mine. And, and by the way, I appreciate your service. And it was, uh, it was just Memorial Day, and uh, it's. I have a deep appreciation for the and a greater appreciation for the freedom that I have as a result of having spent time with the military, very limited time. But my understanding is that there's a chain of command, and if you're given a direct order, you got to follow a lawful direct order. But that's the last thing you want to rely on. You can rely on authority if you have to. And what what is authority if not the ability to hurt someone? if they don't do what you tell them to do. Well, 
that's almost an invitation for them to undermine that authority if they can, because I don't want you to hurt me if I don't do what you tell me to do. But if you can find out why I, if you can find something, a motivation inside me that you can connect with the task, then I'll want to do it for my intrinsic motivation. That's what I really work on. I, that's not very well taught in school. Uh, and, and yet it's not that hard to teach. Watching out for the manipulation, right? So I want to just kind of break that part of, you know, we, we're talking about motivation can be used for good or bad, right? So once you get a, a hold of their motivation, right? So how does somebody tell if somebody who's leading them is gathering their motivations for the benefit or the not benefit. So motivations that could be like, well, I want you to uh, take this poison because it'll be good for the country, right? Or I want you to, you know, it's like, so how do I get, okay, so I know that you're really, really patriotic, right? And so mm -hmm. you will take that poison because you believe fully that it's good for the country. So that would be to me like a, what could possibly be an abuse of leadership versus something that would be more positive. So how do we, how do we as a listener, as an audience member who's maybe being led or wanting to lead, how do they make sure that they do it with pure motivation or that they're being led from somebody who has pure motivation versus being led through fraud or, you know, um, that's the word withholding of information, not being completely authentic. Well, this, so this is pretty powerful stuff and you're working with people's deep emotions and, and you could easily hurt someone this way. You definitely, when you do this and it takes months to develop it, uh, I mean, or years, some people stumble on it, maybe found it as a child, just to happen to get a technique like it. And uh, Eisenhower said, you know, leadership, uh, I'm gonna paraphrase here, is getting him to do your thing for his reason. And so it, very similar to what I'm talking about. And you will, when someone opens up with you and shares these things, you will feel a Machiavellian feeling of like, oh, now I can get them to do things. You will also, even from a purely Machiavellian standpoint, you will recognize if you use that once that way, that's it. You've lost that, you've made an enemy of that person, they're gonna hate you. And so even if you were purely psychopathic, you would recognize, well, I, I can't speak to what it's like for someone to be psychopathic, but if you're, not, you're gonna realize you, you got one shot at, at, at ruining the relationship with this person forever, and you're not gonna to wanna to do it, but that's you're also that's going to- so that's, at a, that's on a one-to-one. -one. Let me, I'm just gonna interject. So you, you, you consult with politicians. So politicians are famous for making promises and leading people into places where they are literally, where the people are literally voting against their own self-interest, right? So yes, on a one-on-one -on -one basis, the person may know, okay, my motivation is a little Machiavellian. I might want to turn that down so that I don't isolate this one person who I'm in a relationship with. But when you're a politician and you're ruling over a hundred thousand, a million, two million, however many and you don't have those personal relationships, you tend to 
get led down a, a, a wrong line. And so as, as an audience, let's say a voter, right, who's mm-hmm. voting for, for policy, who wants to know that they're being led by somebody who mm-hmm. is being authentic and non-Machiavellian, right? How do they recognize that? Well, I want to recognize that we've, we've completely switched domains. Learning to play piano is one thing. Learning how to command an audience at Rock, um, not Rock, uh, at um, Lincoln Center, say, it's a very different thing. Showmanship on stage is very different. There's a lot of stage music, uh, session musicians who are technically proficient and can play music better than anyone, but they can't, you know, work a crowd. Right. Likewise, there's plenty of musicians who can, they know two chords, but they can work a crowd. And so it's very different sets of skills to lead one person one-on-one, which is what we were talking about, and leading a large group of people. Absolutely. Thank you so much for, uh, for coming on. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a believer that in order to create a new tomorrow, we have to challenge ourselves like a lobster in its shell. You know, you got to break free from one shell before you could get to your next shell. It's not comfortable. It's not easy. But if we have more conversations that explore these kinds of, you know, topics, then we'll get to a, a deeper truth. And that deeper truth, my hope is, will help to activate people's vision for a better world so that they can truly lead themselves and lead others. And, uh, and we can change the world together. So I really appreciate you being on here. So thank you very much for coming. Thank you for having me. I hope that, uh, I think I said things that I think me in the past would have benefited from. Different people may resonate or not, but I hope, I hope for some people at least that we, things that we shared help them further their path. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And this has been another episode of Create a New Tomorrow. I've been your host, Ari Gronich with Josh Spodek. Thank you so much for coming on. And remember, we're activating your vision for a better world. So what are you going to do today, tomorrow, and next week to really live your perfect life?